Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Thursday morning, but Adam Schefter, there is a 100% chance we will all be watching tonight the Packers and the 49ers, the rematch of the NFC Championship game, even though it is barely recognizable. Hope you can recognize our voices. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Semi-charm kind of life. Keyshawn's jam back in the 90s. I could see him no, rolling that was not, uh, on the USC I, campus listening no. to Oh, that. yeah, the headphones on, just bobbing, no. waving to people with the presidential wave. Hey, hey, not, it's Keyshawn. Not, hey, hey. Not a chance. Not a chance. There was certain music that I would go into certain college bars, but not. I don't know if that would be. It would be more probably like Van Halen and stuff like that. Gotcha. Mm. So you're not either. a closet third eye blind fan. No, okay. no, no. That's the music. The we bar, just heard the 9-0 and the 3-2, those are the names of the bars and on campus and uh-huh. stuff. So you would. Hit up that and, you know, afterwards, figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave that up to your discretion. Yes. Yes. We're not on late at night. We're on early in the morning, so I guess we can't go there. But, fellas, let's go there and talk about Thursday night football. This is really interesting. So 28 days ago, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time went on the road, Mm -hmm. played on Thursday night football Mm -hmm. against a backup turn starter named Nick. Now, of course, that was Tom Brady and the Bucks going into Chicago playing Nick Foles. Tonight, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is playing on the road on Thursday night football against a starter that was a backup named Nick. And that guy... Is Nick Mullins? I spent all night working on that. I I spent all night working on that. What did you do? What did you come up with that? (laughs) It's one hell of a delivery. I I did not know where you were going on that. But one hell of a problem, Jay, and this is something that Key loves to rib you at. But we're on the same page, so. COVID man, it is a huge deal. You just heard Scott Van Pelt. I'm not ribbity, buddy, but he's the. (laughs) Never mind. Go ahead and say it. He's our COVID expert, so to speak. (laughs) Doctor Jay Williams. Doctor Jay Williams. He's our COVID expert. Whenever COVID comes up. Hand it to Jay. Does he have the white coat with the pen behind the... We haven't busted that one out in a while. Yeah, I don't think he has the white coat with the pen. I'm not listening to Jay when it comes to certain University things with COVID. But... Depends if you want to listen to scientists or not. <laughs> he's speaking the truth, though. I, he's our guy. we got to talk about how it is affecting both teams. You heard Scott Van Pelt. You may have just heard him there in the introduction mentioning it, ravaging the Packers at the running back position and the 49ers at the wide receiver position. Let me just run it down, then we'll get your thoughts on this because... As you might have heard Schefter say, there was a possibility of cancellation, which has been ruled out. So you have a situation where on Thursday afternoon, you have A.J. Dillon, the Packers running back, text positive for the coronavirus. And just a reminder that it's not just position groups that are affected. Everybody's on the field together. So because of that Dillon positive test, just on the Green Bay side, let's start here. They had Jamal Williams, fellow running back, ruled out. Because remember, you need to have five days of testing to make sure you're clear. It's Thursday night. They can't do anything. This guy just tested positive hours ago, so there's really nothing you can do. Hours ago, correct? Hours ago, right? Okay, hours. So you have Jamal Williams, who is in close contact, so he's out. Kamal Martin, who's a linebacker. So again, it's not just the guys in the position group. He's out. They were ruled as close contact. So now, Key, the Packers are forced to play at running back. Somebody named Dexter Williams and another guy named Tyler Irvin. This is because Aaron Jones is questionable with a calf injury. So let's just start there, fellas, with the Packers before we get to the 49ers walking wounded. The Packers, affected by the coronavirus and affected by injuries, but still have far more talent than the Niners are going to put and out Zubin, tonight. also want to mention, before Key jumps in here, they shut down their practice facility yes, as well, the correct? Yes, 49ers shut down their Yesterday. facility. They've been doing all their preparation for this game virtually. 
And think about just from the 49ers. They've had to battle wildfires this year. The facility closed down. They've had a lot of issues. And, of course, this is not even close to being the first NFL facility that is shut down, whether it was the Titans for days or the Colts for hours. I mean, it is just run the gamut. It's pretty, it's pretty ironic, though, for the 49ers that this is the first case of COVID for them, considering that California and San Francisco in particular was one of the major hotspots when all this kicked off in early spring. And so it's, it's, it's interesting that now all of a sudden, bam, it gets hit. So they've done a good job in terms of there to now that they hadn't had any issues up until here over the last couple of days. Um, as long as they got 12, 12 is playing, right? 12 is playing. As long as, they got, as long Rogers. as they got 12, I'm not worried about the Packers. As long as Aaron Rodgers is dealing and, and Devontae Adams is playing and we'll see what happens with Lazar if he's not ruled out yet. Um, you know, you this is going to happen. There's no question about it. It's going to just keep happening until the season is over. I mean, the, the NBA got out of it clean because they were in a bubble. No other sports that are not in a bubble uh, is going to get out clean. In the NFL, clearly, every single week, there's going to be a team, there's going to be a player, somewhere in the National Football League that comes into contact, whether it's them testing positive for COVID or uh, contact tracing with someone that has COVID. That's just what it is. Take it away, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no, baseball dealt with it. MLB, the NBA is going to deal with it again when their season kicks off December 22nd. They probably will not be playing in the bubble and we've seen teams go through this already, Zubin. We've seen the Jets go through this. We've seen the Colts go through this, where a player or two have tested positive. They've done contact tracing. They kept them quarantined. They've been able to play the game. Where it gets interesting to me, though, is just the risk mitigation associated with all this, right? Like taking that risk because the incubation period for different individuals can be a couple of days. So with all this occurring within the last 24, 48 hours, mm-hmm. Realistically, there's no way you can really do contact tracing because these are all different position groups. So that that's the point that's interesting. It's you're you're trying to do that, but key, you know, like when you're in the locker room, you're around your teammates. You're kicking it. You're around people. You feel like this is a trusted environment. You're around. It is where it is. And if they decide to play this game, if they don't postpone, 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 you postpone, postpone. Yeah, I, I struggle to get that out of early. I'm still having my coffee. There is a chance that other players can get it, and it can t- continue to. I guess, you know, implode, potentially. Let's talk about the 49ers aspect in one second. But first, here's ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt last night. Jay mentioned the postponement possibility. Key mentioned they haven't really got out of being a hot spot since the state of California. Back in March, they're just managing it the best that they can. And you're talking right. about California. We're not even talking about Wisconsin. Right, right. And yes. that's the latest big hotspot. Yes. Built a field hospital, and it's ravaging the country again, second or third wave, depending on how you think. Once again, here is Schefter essentially saying 8.20 p.m. Eastern time tonight, you're going to be watching football on your television. Right now it's going to be played, and short of there being a number of positive tests tomorrow on Thursday – I don't see another way. I asked somebody this evening, what are the chances this game gets postponed, pushed back, canceled? And I was told 0%. Now, there's always a chance that something could happen, but I think that gives you a window into the thinking of some of the people surrounding this game and involving this game. They're determined to play it. They're planning to play it. And right now, by all indications, they are going to play it. And if sample signs means anything to you, the NFL has gone full speed ahead with one notable exception, Tennessee 
and Pittsburgh. Other games have been moved a few days. That was moved weeks. Quickly on the 49ers side, Kendrick Bourne's positive test essentially means Brandon Ayuk, fellow wide receiver, Debo Samuel, fellow wide receiver. They are COVID close contacts. They are out. So is the offensive lineman, Trent Williams. We already know. Wait, did you say Brandon Ayuk is out? Ayuk is out. Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel is out. Trent Williams on the line is out. And even before COVID, injury-wise, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are out for the 49ers as well. It's going to be a hard watch tonight, man. (laughs) No, that's not. Well, we got to break. I'll talk about it later. All right. right, Real quick, the Giants play Washington this weekend. We're asking who made a bigger mistake in the 2019 draft. Man, the Giants with Daniel Jones or Washington with Dwayne Haskins. Be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Pretty simple. Jones or Haskins. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville, head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Hit us up, 888-SAY-ESPN, with your answer or key J-N-Z. Simple, one word, Jones, one word, Haskins, you tell us. On the way, Jerry Jones says the Cowboys need more experience under center the rest of the way. What? So why are they about to go with a guy that's got less experience than the guy they just played? So confused. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We're back, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. You just heard there the voice of Mike McCarthy say something a little head-scratching. We'll get into that here in just 10 seconds. You heard Key there on the back give his opinion as the Cowboys is a 13-and-a-half-point underdog at home. They haven't been that big of a home dog since 1989. Get ready to take on the only undefeated team in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. All right, Key, so let's start here. McCarthy essentially says... Considering the opponent, nice way of saying we really can't play Ben DiNucci, uh, the young kid that we started on Sunday night after both Dak and Andy Dalton were put to the sideline, we can't really play him because the stage was a little bit too bright. And if you thought he couldn't play well against what we saw on Sunday night with the Eagles, then certainly he's not going to be in a position where he's going to be able to play better. So against why is that... he on the damn team? Well, hang on. Against that other team in the Keystone State. So let me ask you this. How can McCarthy say we need to play somebody with more experience when the guys available, Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush, have never started a game 
and Danucci has started one game. How can you technically <laughs> say the two guys waiting in the wings have more experience when they've never started a game and the other guy has? Like, what's the explanation on that? Am I, I being too technical here? I think it's just a choice of words, really. I think I think they got caught in the word game. They probably didn't mean to say what they said. They probably just meant that it was too big for him. We want to try somebody else opposed to uh, – you know, it was too big, lack of experience when the other guys have zero experience, right? Right. <clears throat> but if you remember... They've been around longer, right? They've been yes. around longer. Maybe yeah, but that's that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. But if you remember me saying that it felt like looking at him, that the speed of that game, was it was like he was on the Autobahn. Like, that's what it looked like. When mm-hmm. I'm watching it, I'm like, he can't get out the way. He doesn't understand how fast things are moving. Different than practice, as I always tell people. Practice is one thing. You can look great in practice, but when the lights come on and you hear that boom, your whole mindset change. That's what the lights sound like in a stadium when they first come on. You hear the boom, boom, and then all you hear that, your whole mindset changes. And that was Ben DiNucci. His mindset changed. He was ready till he got underneath that center, and all of a sudden, zoom, 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 zoom. It'll probably happen to Cooper Rush, and it's probably going to happen to Gilbert as well. Gilbert is 29, almost 30 years old, with practically no experience in the league. I mean, who would you rather play, Jay? I mean, if you had to, is it a coin flip? Like, what is it? It doesn't matter, Zubin. It doesn't matter. And I never thought I would find myself on this side of reasoning, but it's time for the Dallas Cowboys to do this. I mean, it's time to green light Operation Tank. But that's already lit. Yeah, but that's lit by default. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it's on how you do it, though, Key. Because it doesn't, what's, it doesn't matter. On, hear, hear me on this one. Because after you play the Steelers, you get into the NFC East conversation, and I think you have a lot of winnable games. And you, you do. The NFC East is horrible, right? I, this is I, not 2015. No. Tony Romo's not walking through that door to try to insert some passion or Jay hope into Will, you. I get it. They're bad, man. I, I know. They're they're but key you can you can still probably beat the Giants. Here's my thing. You can still probably I know you don't like that. I know you I know you're probably, a Giant fan and you probably want to see them lose to get the draft picks, but the Giants are better than the Cowboys. I'm just saying there's still games that you could potentially win. All I'm saying is you don't want to finish this season finding your, yourself in a position where you can get a mid round draft pick. No, no, you don't no. want you don't want to win three, four games. And let's keep feeding Ezekiel yeah. Elliott. Like, I get to a certain point where I'm like, do I need the rest, guys, to a degree? I mean, I know we have low management in basketball. Do I start doing that to some degree with my team? Well, you, certain don't have players? A, you don't have enough bodies. You don't have enough bodies in football. They, the front line guys are all gone for them. But, Key, this is what, exactly. This, so, this is my point. You know, I, I see this happen all the time in basketball. It's like pickup games, right? When people aren't playing with the sense of urgency, that's when guys get hurt. Yeah. When guys don't have sure. anything to play for. So if I get to a certain point, why do I have Ezekiel Elliott in games? What am I? Pl- what am I playing him a lot of? Mi- uh, why is he getting a lot of snaps? Why? Why is he involved? Like, well, that may that may come at some point where that happens where he's rotating. It may come. There's no question about it. But one thing that football coaches like to do is they like to win. They want the W's on their resume. But that's what I'm saying, Okie. Like. How If you're Jerry Jones, if you're Mike McCarthy, how do you make the best out of this season? Dak Prescott is not coming back. He's I, not, okay, like, uh, it's, uh, Andy Dalton, it. it doesn't matter what Andy Dalton does, 
He's not going to make a difference. Ezekiel Elliott has been having a marginal year. So why not take the alternative approach where it's like, hey, let guys fight for positions. My star players, I want them to rest. I'm going to save them. I, I know coaches may want to win, but that's not going to put us in the best position I think at some point, next year. though, at some point in time, they'll start to get into that. But right now, it's too early. They're going to lose by default. I mean, they're not, they're not a good football team. But even, why is it too early now, Key? What are, you, what are you winning for? What are you going for to try to win the NFC East? Who cares about the NFC no, no, East this No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But you don't have – like, if you're resting – if you're resting Amari Cooper, you, there's only four – there's only – I don't know what they carry, but typically teams only carry four and five receivers. So if you take an Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb off the field, like, who are you going to put in their no, place? I, I understand. That, that's the problem – that you face. But I, I'm thinking more Ezekiel Elliott. I'm thinking the the pound because that seems to be the one part of the game that you're going to revert to considering that you don't know what quarterback is actually going to yeah, play. Yeah, you would like right? to Like keep, Amari and CeeDee Lamb, go ahead, guys, run your routes, stay in shape. You would like so, to keep great. him healthy. Yes, like but, that's a major asset you want to protect. But, again, I think at some point they'll get there. I don't think that they're there yet. I know, all I'm saying is tonight, and I'll say it, like if he gets smashed by T.J. Watt, or Brad Dupree, and he gets hurt, I'm going to be pissed off. Hmm. I'm like, why is he even playing? Why is he getting so? Why is he running so much? <laughs> we know that's the only way you get to have a chance to beat the Steelers. But once again, why? Why are you so focused on trying to win these games right now? I never thought I would hear myself say this, but I will want to protect my assets, and he's a major, major asset in my franchise. The question is, are they running or running for their lives? It could be literal or figurative if you're the Cowboys on Sunday against that big-time Pittsburgh defense, like he said, led by a couple guys like Watt and Bud Dupree. Unbelievable talent on that side of the football. Last note on this, since we essentially talked a little bit about what's going on with the NFC East and the Cowboys quarterback situation, Jay said it's time to shut it down. Damian Woody was with the program yesterday. He said it's time to shut it down and essentially tank, even though I know that's pretty much radioactive to anybody that's been in the NFL. Again, I want to hit up the Dr. Pepper Twitter question to get your quick responses since we're talking about teams that are struggling with quarterbacks in the NFC East, much like Dallas. Who made the biggest mistake in the draft? I know it's early. The returns are only a year and a half in, but we're asking you at 888-ESPN or KeyJNZ on Twitter. Biggest mistake, just give me the one-word answer here, and we'll let our nation tune in and could submit their responses throughout the morning. Jones for the Giants, Haskins for the Washington football team. Bigger mistake right now, both first-round picks. Jeez. Uh, I would probably say Haskins. I kind of agree. Jay? I would say Haskins. It's just the attitude, right, Keaton? No, it's not the attitude. No? It's 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 he only played one year as a starter. Coaching change. At at, at Oregon at Oregon State. At Ohio State. You didn't really get a chance to see a whole lot. And I think it was an emotional decision that was spearheaded by the owner because the owner's son and him have a relationship. And he was great at college, but it was only one year. These one-year quarterbacks, and one-year quarterbacks in college, nah, I need at least three, at least three years as a starter for me to really make a determination on what you could be. I just feel like the Washington football team had a blurry mind when making a lot of decisions. You know who else only? You know who else only had one year at quarterback? Who? Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. You want me to keep going? I, I can mm. keep pulling the one-year guys out for you. 
if you really want me to. I mean, that's, you know. That's a great point. Marquise Williams played three years, was better than him statistically. They went with Trubisky, and it was over. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. On the way, the Cowboys certainly aren't Super Bowl contenders. We've got the guys Super Bowl contenders as we hit week nine of the season tonight. And believe it or not, Key's got one team that's four and three right now as a Super Bowl contender. He'll explain himself. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Clearly, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers there, the NFL's lone unbeaten, sitting at 7-0 and with the Cowboys. You can almost pencil them in for 8-0. and They are certainly a Super Bowl contender. The guys have their Super Bowl contenders. I'm looking at them. Jay's list is noticeably smaller than Key's. Harder to get on Jay's list of Super Bowl contenders. Key, let's run through yours in the AFC. Then we'll get Jay's in the AFC. We'll do the same for the NFC. All right, let's begin. You have in the AFC Pittsburgh KC, Baltimore, and the Raiders at four and three still in your Super Bowl mix. Explain yourself. Well, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Baltimore, obviously, those teams are the cream of the crop right now in the AFC. The Raiders are there because the Raiders are a kind of one day they're good, the next day they're not. One day they're good, the next day they're not. But you may get them on the day that they're good. And the day that that's all it takes is for you to get into the playoffs. Ask the Chiefs and, about and, that. And they are a playoff wildcard contending team. Now, you may say, oh, they still can catch Kansas City and win the division. I'm sure the Raiders and John Gruden are thinking that way because they already beat Kansas City in Kansas City. They take on the Chargers, which the Chargers coming off a pretty good football game uh, themselves. And Justin Herbert's been playing, you know, been playing pretty well, having gotten the necessary wins. But – you look at the Raiders, the Chargers. Then the Raiders take on the Broncos. Then they got the Chiefs again in Las Vegas. They got the Falcons, the Jets, the Colts, which will be a tough one. The Chargers again, the Dolphins, and then they end with the Broncos. So their schedule, to, for the most part, is pretty favorable for them to make the playoffs, whether it's to win the division or a wild card spot. Again, as long as you get in the playoffs, that's all it takes. And then you hit. Look at Tennessee. Look at Kansas City. Look at those teams from a year ago. In the AFC, Jay's list, as I mentioned, considerably smaller. Key's got four teams. Jay has two. Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Jay, how about the rationale and why no Baltimore? I just think those two teams are the cream of the crop. And as I've listened to Key and a lot of other experts, I know Key loves when I listen to experts, uh, watching Lamar Jackson and watching him not progress to the next level this year, that concerns me. And I, I ultimately, I do wonder. I just, I just feel like... Lamar Jackson and company do not have enough in a tank 
to beat Can- I mean, to beat Kansas City. Like they have their number, they have their number. Um, I, I don't believe in the Ravens and the Raiders. I just they're too inconsistent for me. Those are the two consistent teams that I think come each and every day to play. And those would be in Jay's mind, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Let's go to the NFC key: Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Seattle. And Green Bay. I think a lot of people listening, wherever they are in their cars at home, I think they're nodding their head saying that seems just about right. It, it does. It, it, it is about right. Not necessarily in that order. It's just those are the four teams. The New Orleans Saints get Michael Thomas back hopefully this weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. They'll certainly show what they have. We looked at it in week one. and went, ah, It's week one for Tom Brady. He'll get better. Of course he's going to get better. That That is the case with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints will continue to get better as they get their top weapon back. 149 receptions for Michael Thomas a year ago. You can't continue to lean heavy on Alvin Kamara because things you need other players to be able to do something. Seattle, obviously, we know what that is with Russell Wilson. Their defense seems to continue to get better. And then when you look at the Green Bay Packers, if they would have made any sort of major trade, they, they they probably could have helped the receiving core, but they needed to shore up the defense on the linebacker side. Shut up, Jay Will. I didn't say anything. You're saying I'm going too long. I get it. No, I wasn't saying anything. I was just you know hearing you on Green Bay in the trade, and just imagine if Aaron Rodgers had Will Fuller, just somebody no, no, else. No, I, I trade meaning on the defensive side. They uh, need a linebacker. Yeah, they need a lot. They need a lot. We definitely don't want Jay to shut up. This is his time to talk. And by the way, we need to get you guys back on the same page. And the best way to do this is yeah. to say, Jay. Your NFC teams exactly match keys. Yeah, Key just wants me to shut up and dribble. I get it. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Jeez. Uh, here's, here's what I will say. In this order, Tampa Bay Bucks, I have Seattle, and, and obviously Russell Wilson has had a phenomenal year leading MVP voting. I get all that, but I think their defense is going to take another step when Carlos Dunlap comes back, Jamal Adams comes back. Mm-hmm. Then you have New Orleans. I'm still waiting for Key to tell me when Michael Thomas is going to come back. I mean, I, I every single He'll day, I keep point. asking questions, and I get no answers. Family protects family. I get it. And then Green Bay, just because I after seeing Dalvin Cook run for as many yards as he ran last weekend and seeing him go for four TDs, their defense needs a lot of help. And I, I just hate to say it, Aaron Rodgers, 36 MVP caliber level, he's not going to get the help offensively in the side of the ball that he, he needs to have in order for them to win the Super Bowl. Okay, so Key, Jay just yeah. ranked him Tampa Bay, Seattle, New Orleans, Green Bay. That's his one, two, three, four. You have those four teams. Yeah. Why don't you rank them? Because I, de- I do feel it could be razor thin. There's a lot of talent at the top of the NFC. Well, I'm going with, I'm going with New Orleans as one. I'm okay, so that's Jay has one. them at three. You I'm, assuming, three right? I'm assuming yes. Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will be back before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And if they don't hurry up and get back, that New Orleans will figure out a way to continue to keep winning. I'll make that one. I'll make Seattle my two. I'll make Tampa Bay my three and Green Bay my four. We should mention Michael Thomas, obviously. There's a situation with when he'll return, and Sanders has a COVID-related issue he's dealing with. Yeah, the situation when he will return is medical. So let's make sure we get the listeners to understand. It's medical. Gotcha. What's putting Tampa Bay at number three? Because the other two teams are better. That easy? To me, yeah. It's that easy to me. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Right now, just to reel it off, if you're just tuning in, key Super Bowl contenders across the board, the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Packers. Jay's list noticeably smaller. The Steelers, the Chiefs, that's it in the AFC. And then he matches key in the NFC with the Bucks, the Saints, the Seahawks, 
and the Packers, who will kick off week nine of the NFL season tonight against the San Francisco 49ers. And we saw with Aaron Rodgers, once they come off a loss this year, as Rodgers said, maybe we needed the swift kick in the you-know-what. They bounce back big time. As Jay mentioned earlier this morning, they're coming off a loss to the Vikings, a stunning loss to the Vikings. We'll see how they bounce back tonight. Sample size says that when the Packers get whipped, they come back pretty good and whip the competition. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests joining us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line and that includes Trevor Maddich. Let's talk a little college football. Notre Dame's excellent, and we're not going to just tiptoe through the lilies and beat these guys. We've won 22 consecutive games at home. Trevor will not be able to play. You just have to have the next guy ready to go. We're looking at winning the conference championship. Our number one goal is to try to win the conference. Who knows? It might not be the only time we play him this year. That last statement is the juiciest of all from Brian Kelly, Notre Dame's head coach this year. Notre Dame is eligible to play in the ACC championship game, and what Coach Kelly is inferring there is perhaps Clemson and Notre Dame, who meet this Saturday in South Bend, will meet again December 19th in the ACC title tilt, and maybe just maybe the winner will go to the college football playoff to try to win a championship. A guy that's won a championship in college? Trevor Maddich, part of that legendary BYU championship team in the mid-80s. He joins us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We saw DJ Uyangalale come in for Trevor Lawrence, had a rough first half, Trev, but then acquitted himself quite well in the second half. I know this is a road game. There's not going to be many fans there, but this is a different environment on the road in a top-four clash when he was in high school not too long ago. What can we expect from him this weekend? This isn't Boston College. This is Notre Dame. Zubin, you're absolutely right about that. And he passed his test with flying colors, in my opinion, against Boston College. But Notre Dame it will be a different animal. They've got better personnel. It's a road trip. And Notre Dame's defense has a full game to watch what Uyangalele likes and what he doesn't like. And, and really what he likes more than anything else is his fastball. I mean, he wants to wind up and let that thing fly. It's amazing the velocity on that pass. But what that means is that if you put a defender between the quarterback and the receiver, that forces him to make a more complex throw. Maybe throw it over that defender, drop it in, a little more touch. He showed that a couple of times against Boston College, but I think Notre Dame will make him show that a lot more. Now, having said that, what impressed me the most, Zubin, about him against BC was his decision-making. He stayed engaged in the game. BC tried to rattle him with blitzes that they didn't even attempt to disguise. And for the most part, he did a really good job staying focused on what he needed to focus on, which is downfield, and not what most young quarterbacks would do, and that is fixate on the blitz and try to escape. Trevor, uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence as well, <laughs> will travel, we'll travel with the team to South Bend, Indiana. What good is it to have him stand on the sidelines with the team? What can he add? You know, that's a good question. I, I know that if he travels and stands on the sideline, it will be because he's negative. But if I'm on that sideline with him, I am distancing from him. I don't want him near me because I am not sure about that. Now, I'm not saying he's contagious in any way, but to me it would be a bit of a distraction. The thing that he would be able to add 
It's for the young quarterback. He's another set of eyes that can watch what's happening and then talk to DJ uh, in between the series and give him an extra voice of counsel beyond just the coach. And sometimes when a player does that, it, it hits home because the player comes at it from a slightly different perspective. So my opinion is that the reason they're having him there is to try to maximize what DJ Uyangalele is able to visualize and accomplish mentally. The Pac-12's My Conference starts back up this weekend. What are we expecting to see from My Conference, the Pac-12? Absolutely no earthy, earthy idea, Keyshawn. No, <laughs> no idea what's going to happen out there. But that's part of the fun of it. I mean, the Pac-12, to me, has always been one of the most fun conferences to watch because there's such a diversity of styles. There's so many teams that can beat so many other teams in the Pac-12. When you look at the SEC, for example, Not a whole lot of teams can beat Alabama. Not a lot of teams in the Big Ten even have a chance at Ohio State. But in the Pac-12, typically, the race is such that a whole bunch of teams can beat the best team. And so people give them grief because of what that might mean for the playoff in terms of having an elite team that will just sweep everybody out of the way like Clemson has done in the ACC. But from a standpoint of that conference, it makes it a lot of fun. Now, a lot of people are picking Oregon to win, and I think there's, there's a lot to say about that. I'm wanting to see their new offensive line. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. Their, their young quarterback. I'm wanting to see the new pieces on defense before I put that pressure on them. I kind of lean towards USC. I know you'd probably be happy to hear me say that. Of course Oregon. you do. He's celebrating right? in here. Listen, Keaton Slovis and his offensive weapons are as good as anybody on the West Coast, or yes. better, really. I think it's the best group. And the defense, everybody's back. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, the way they performed last year, but you got to figure that this year the offense will do a little bit better at complementary football, and they'll take that air raid, and they'll slow it down at times to let that defense rest a bit. But I think USC coming into it, not knowing anything else, not having seen them play, is the team to, to watch. And I think they'll have a chance to make the playoff if they sweep it, even though there's only six regular season games. Yes, Trevor, you're the best. <laughs> Trevor, let's come back to the Southeast Coast for a minute. Uh, Georgia-Florida this weekend, a game that is typically decides the SEC East. Georgia will be without one of their best defensive players. Can Georgia still get it done for a fourth year in a row? Yeah, that's Richard LeCount, the safety. He got into a, a, a crash on a, what was it, a car or a motorcycle? It was yeah. a motor vehicle of some sort. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a lousy way to miss this game. Uh, I, think, I think they can, though. Uh, Georgia's defense is the best in the country. And when you watch them play, they are so fast. I mean, they've got inside linebackers running with wide receivers and keeping up with them on man-to-man coverage. I mean, it's fascinating to see what they do on defense. The real question will be the quarterback, Keaton Slovis. Or, excuse me, he plays for USC. If he played for Georgia, that would be fascinating. The quarterback, (laughs) Stetson Bennett, for Georgia. Uh, I am higher on him than a lot of other people. And I think he'll do better. The problem he's got is that his offensive line sometimes isn't that good at pass protection, and his wide receivers aren't always where they're supposed to be. And so this is a problem they had last year with Jake Fromm as well, a quarterback who's now in the NFL. So that problem lingers for Georgia. But having said that, this game is massive. Both teams only have one loss. The winner of this game has the inside track to get to the SEC championship game and then possibly off to the playoffs. So this is one of those fun regular season games that is a playoff game. And I like Georgia in the game because I trust their defense more than I trust Florida's defense. It's a great point. Not a ton of people are talking about this top 10 matchup because everybody's worried about the top four matchup in South Bend. But as Jay and Trevor have both indicated, this is a gigantic litmus test game. We should mention Stetson Bennett 
known as the Mailman. We'll see if he delivers on Saturday. Jay loves the NBA. We'll talk about the Mailman, not Carl Malone. We'll talk about the impending return of the <laughs> NBA here in just one second. And by the way, Trev, Keaton Slovis actually joined our show yesterday, so it's shout-out to Keaton Slovis. Last thing for you, shout-out to your boys, BYU, in the top ten. As I mentioned earlier, under the late, great Lavelle Edwards, you played for him, legendary college coach. You won the national championship. I don't know how good BYU is relative to everybody else, but they are near and dear to your heart with an incredible quarterback in Zach Wilson. How good are the Cougars? You know, if I take my royal blue hat off and look (laughs) at it straight as an analyst, they're very good. I mean, I don't know how good they are either. They're a legitimate top 10 team. They're a legitimate New Year's Six Bowl team. Uh, whether or not they could be a fringe playoff team, you know, we'll see. This Boise game will be a, a, good, a good test for them. But they've got a quarterback in Zach Wilson who is the most accurate or one of the most accurate deep passers in all of college football. He's a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. Veteran offensive line, good skill people, NFL guys on all three levels of the defense. If you just evaluate their, these guys, they're good. But more than that, it's the way they respect the game. It's interesting to talk to jaded broadcasters and former players around here who have seen all of it. You know, they, they, they're not fooled by anything. And the way they talk about BYU is that they respect the way the Cougars respect the game. They respect the way they go about their business. And to earn that kind of respect from this kind of group is a really interesting thing. They're a lot of fun to watch, but they also are a great example for what a college football program should be. Yeah, they've been on ESPN each of the last two Saturday nights, late night. I've been watching them. They have been fantastic to watch. I should mention that this game against Boise, by the way, is on Friday. So before you get ready for Notre Dame and Clemson, before you get ready for Georgia and Florida, tune on in Friday night, BYU and Boise State gigantic game. And as Trev well knows, from about 2015 on, these guys have played some legendary games against each other. We'll hope we'll get another classic Friday night. Trev, thank you so much. Thanks, Lubin. Thanks, Thanks, Trev. That's the national champion, Trevor Maddich. Let's go from A to Z. And Antonio Brown. That'll be the A from A to Z. That'll be Antonio. A for Antonio. His fourth team in 19 or 20 months, give or take a month. Of course, that is the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's ready to go. The Bucks have the Saints on Sunday night football. What a way to make a bow. I will tell you, Antonio Brown answered this question on getting another chance in the league, probably his last one, though that's what we said the last time, with Tampa. But he answered this question wearing a TB12 hat. I'm extremely grateful to be here with such great organization, to be around some great players. For me, you know, first and foremost, uh, being away from the game a year and a half, just to see, uh, be able to be a part of the process and be out there with the guys today was uh, surreal. Uh, some I don't take for granted. You know, some I have a great appreciation for, a better perspective about, and a lot of gratification. To do what I love, man, you know, it's a blessing. Yeah, all that's cool that he said that. But I don't like his number 81. It looks ugly on him. <laughs> Key, do you I think— I do not like 81. Do you think Tom gave him the hat, or do you think he just took the hat from the house? No, Tom gave him. He probably okay. already had the hat. Yeah, I'm just saying sometimes hat's leaving around the house. Right. He sees no, it. Right outside probably, the front door with the shoes and all that. Yeah, so I mean, since they're roommates, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Share. I'm sure Tom, Tom has a big enough house <laughs> where he does not have to see Antonio Brown unless he wants to. Indeed. They're or roommates. he also lost track of the hats, you know. Just... <laughs> roommates and teammates, if you will. <laughs> Jay, let's get into this. The NBA nearing an agreement on a December 22nd start board of Governors Players Association expected to meet today. Hammered out. It'll be 72 games, according to Woj and our Zach Lowe. December 22nd, right around Christmas, according to our Brian Windhorst, he told Scott Van Pelt last night, 
Think about how much money will be saved if we just don't go into the first month of 2021 and start this thing at the end of 2020. Okay, so the local television deals are worth over a billion dollars, okay? And if those deals are all tied to playing at least 70 games. So in addition to what I just talked about, with less money coming in with no fans, if you reduce that TV money because you start in January and you can only play 53 games or whatever they were going to play, then that's just less money coming into your pocket. Jay? He's exactly right. I mean, uh, the agreement that the team, the the player association came to with the NBA is that for the next two years, players would give up around 18% of their salary, as opposed to if they weren't able to start on time, they were starting later in January, February, it would be around 40%. Now that's, that's 40% on top of you getting 50% tax on top of your agent fees. That's making exponentially less amount of money. I don't want to go too nerdy here, Keith, but the bottom line is baseball is the same way. When you don't have fans but you have your TV deals, that's where you're a $10 billion industry. Same thing for the NBA. If you don't have the fans, you got to make up the money somewhere, and it's from TNT, ESPN, and the regional carriers. And and, and that's pretty much the way it is in the NFL as, as well. I mean, they're getting this big money in television, so – you know, I, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not playing. Right. They got to worry about when they need to start back up. The 49ers need to worry about having enough bodies to be out there tonight. But we've got an amazing stat on the NFC champions. you got to hear to believe before they play Thursday night. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.